sure. You know, and, and Phil and I had talked about this before um, in general. So we're starting a new series, and it's on stewardship, like Kimmy mentioned. And I'm going to give you some definitions and things. But what I'm trying to do this morning is just lay a foundation of really what, what that even means. It's kind of a big word, and I want to kind of break it down and tell you what it means and what it means for you and I and, 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 and what God's calling us to in that. So, got the first slide up? Stewardship is about becoming God's asset manager. How to become a good steward of God's abundance towards us. So I want to give you a couple of definitions. Assets are any property or object of value that one possesses. It can be your home. It can be your car. It can be your bank accounts, your retirement plan, property that you have in the hill country. All those things are considered assets that you have. A steward is someone who protects or is responsible for money, property, that type of thing. Or it's a person whose job it is to manage the land of the property of another person. Um, for the last six and a half years, I've worked for three or four financial advisor, advisors. And their job is to manage other people's money, OMP, other people's money, other people's assets. And therefore, they are considered asset managers. They don't own the money that they manage, but they are entrusted to take care of the owner's money for them. And they are to invest it wisely. Before they invest a client's money, they really talk with the client, find out what their long-term goals are, what their short-term goals are, what their fears might be. And they take all these things in, into consideration as they determine how to invest this other person's money. Being an asset manager is a very serious and important job. It carries a lot of weight and responsibility with it. If a client is not happy with how their investments are being taken care of, if they're not making any money or if they're losing money, and they feel that it's more than just the way the market is going, that client could pull their money out and go to someone else. They've lost trust in that asset manager and they move to somebody else. So it's a very serious thing when you are in charge of managing somebody else's assets. The term steward or stewardship is actually an old English concept. It has to do with lords and castles and realms and stewards, okay? The Lord lived in the castle. You know, I'm thinking of all these Camelot movies and that kind of thing. The Lord lived in the castle. He owned everything in the realm, the land, the farms, all the buildings. He, he, he was in charge or, or owner of all the commerce that took place. Everything was under his control. But there was a house that was close by the castle, and that house belonged to the steward, and he had a special job. The steward did not own anything, but he took, he took care of everything that belonged to the Lord. He managed the crops. He managed the labor force, the people who worked in the fields. He took care of the taxes and the banking for the Lord. And any other interest that the Lord had, 
the steward would take care of it. So I, he and the Lord were probably pretty tight. He had to know what the Lord wanted to know how to manage those things that belonged to him. The first stewards that we see in the Bible were Adam and Eve. In Genesis 2, 8, and 9, in the NIV Bible, it says, Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man that he had formed. And the Lord made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And then in verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So we see that Adam and Eve were the very first stewards. They were given the responsibility to take care of the garden that God had created and place them in. That was their job. Notice that they didn't just sit around sunbathing. They had things to do. Actually, one of the things that they did, which I think is pretty interesting, and we may remember this, is that God had Adam name all the animals. Now, I'm sure that took quite a long time. Quite a long time. In verse 19, it says, Now the Lord had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whenever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So God gave Adam, he was not only the steward of the garden, but really he was the, the steward of the animals as well. He named them. I thought that that was pretty interesting. So they were the very first stewards that we see in the scripture, that God had given them a responsibility, a job to take care of. Adam didn't create it, God created it. But God gave him the job, the position to be stewards of his creation. We've got some other scriptures that I'd like to look at because you see, we are also stewards. Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it. Haggai 2.8 says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And then 1 Corinthians 6.19-20 says, You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. So God is revealing something really very important to us through these scriptures. That he is the owner of everything. And he is the one who has given us the ability to produce wealth. And that's the words that they have in the scripture. And I know some of us don't feel very wealthy when we think in terms of what wealth means in our western culture. But when you take a step back and you see that all that God has given us, we are indeed wealthy. And we need to see how God wants us to take care of and manage the wealth and the assets that he's given you and I. And in 1 Corinthians 6, notice that it says, you know, we're not our own. As we become a believer in Christ, he died for us. And it's through his death that he bought us. He bought us that redemption. He laid down his life for us so that we might be in a relationship with the Father. So we've been bought with a price. God sent Jesus to purchase us back from the clutches of the enemy. So we are no longer Satan's asset. We are now God's asset. And we need to be mindful of that, that we belong 
to him. I was recently reading a book. It's called um, The Treasure Principle. I was reading it back in the fall. My sister had actually mentioned it to me. Um, actually, it was in August when I went to see her in Oklahoma. She had it on the bedside table. And I picked it up and started thumbing through it. And I said, hey, can I borrow this? We switched books back and forth. She said, sure. So I took it home, and the author lists seven principal, uh, treasure principle keys. Now, I'm not going to go through that book with you guys, but I am going to mention the very first key because it's really foundational. It lays the foundation for us to become a good steward. So treasure principle key number one says, God owns everything, and I am his manager. And when I say that this is foundational, you know what a foundation is. Foundation is what is laid for a home before you build upon it. And, and the scripture talks about if the foundation is built on a rock or if it's built on sand. Because it's not if the storms come, it's when the storm comes. And, if, and when the storm comes, if your house is not built on the rock, on the firm foundation, it's going to wash away. It's going to be destroyed. Okay? So in our stewardship, we need to look at what is foundational for us. And once we build the foundational and realize that God owns everything and that I'm his manager, we can then begin to build on that. And it's not just about money. Most people think stewardship has to do with money. They have stewardship drives in some of their churches, and it usually has to do with the building program and that kind of thing. And that's part of it, but it's not all of it. It's about our time. It's about our talents, our giftings that we have, the whole of who we are. I belong to him. And all that I am and all that I do belongs to him as well. So practically, what does that really look like when we think about I belong to him, my talent belongs to him, my time belongs to him? What exactly does that look like? Well, we used to have a lady that went to this church, and she had the gift of organization. And she was so sweet. Several times when the nursery or the, the closet downstairs would get in disarray, which was very often, it was in her heart to come and sort through all of that and, and, and set everything right. She has a gift of organizational ability. And you may think, that's a gift? Well, ask somebody who's not organized, and they will tell you that, yes, that is a gift because they don't possess it. So that is a gift that God had, has blessed this person with that took that gift here to our church and used it to help us. So that's an example of one type of gift. Uh, another is that sometimes God has blessed people with a good job and the ability to make good money. And the way that they honor God is through not only giving to the church through their tithe, but they've also been able to give to others who've been in need, in financial need. And they freely give out of the abundance God has blessed them with. So that's a couple of examples. One is monetary and one is not, but of our talents and our giftings that God has given us. And when we have certain giftings, all that we have belongs to him. And we try to put it in use to help others with those things. But we need to have a paradigm shift in our thinking if we want to do that. And some of you may be wondering what 
that term means, a paradigm shift. Well, according to the businessdictionary.com, it means a fundamental change in an individual or society's view of how things work in the world. Uh, an example from long ago, there was a thinking that the earth was the center and everything revolved around the earth. Then they realized, oh, that's not right. The sun is the center of the universe and everything revolves around that. And that is a change, a shift in thinking. That was not something that came easily to people to accept because for hundreds and hundreds of years, they thought the earth was the center of the universe. And it took a long, long time before people could make that paradigm shift in their thinking. That's one example. Another example is when people decide to lose weight. They have to have a paradigm shift in how they view food and exercise. Often you hear, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle, it's a lifestyle change. And, and so there is a paradigm shift that comes with that. I happen to have a couple of daughters who are, go to gyms and are working out. And they're doing a great job. And I'm very impressed by the fact that they're doing that. So they've got one half going for them. The other half, the eating and the food, has not quite kicked in yet. So sometimes a paradigm shift is something that happens gradually over time. They've got one part right, but they need to kind of move into the other realm of, of eating more healthy and eating less carbs and all that kind of stuff that goes with that. And then I, my own example. I was raised in the Church of Christ, went to the Baptist Church for many, many years, and then from the Baptist Church came to the Vineyard. And we've been in the Vineyard for about 18 years now. And Bill will be the first one to tell you that it took me many years for my my thinking to shift from being Baptist into becoming vineyard. And there is a way of thinking in the vineyard movement that is different from the Baptist church or is different from the Catholic church or is different from family life church. When you come into the vineyard movement, you will realize if you stay with it long enough, no, we're not family life, no, we're not Baptist, and no, we're not Assembly of God. We have our theology and the way that we think about the kingdom of God, the way we think about healing, the way we think about just how our values are. Everyone gets to play. Well, you don't always get that in some of these other places. But this, that's who we are. And so over many years, my thinking began to change. And I began to think more of, in, in the way, I guess you could say, of vineyard theology and the way we view things from, the, from a spiritual uh, perspective as a way as opposed to the Baptist it, it is different it is completely different and so that was a paradigm shift and as I said it doesn't always happen overnight it took me many many years to kind of grow into that but I feel like God is really helping me more and more in my thinking in the way of you in the way I view things so the same is true for you and I in the way that we think about who we are and who we belong to which is Jesus all right? And it affects how we think, how we act, how we live, how we spend our money, even how we raise our kids. And truthfully, some changes are easier than others. So we see up here that we need to adopt a steward's mentality towards our assets. And remember, a steward doesn't own anything. 
He manages the property and the assets for the Lord. God is the owner of everything. We are his managers. He has entrusted his assets to us. He has not given them to us, but he's entrusted us to take care of them. As stewards, we carry no sense of entitlement to the assets that we manage. It's not mine. It's the Lord's. It is the steward's job to find out what the owner, God, wants done with his assets and then carry out his will. To seek God, you'd be amazed. Nothing is too small to take to God about, you know, should, should I spend money on this or should I spend money on this? God, what, what should I do? God, should I, should I take time off and go over here to this thing? Or should I do something different? Take everything to the Lord because he cares about everything. Nothing is too small. So, again, it doesn't happen overnight. Usually it's a pretty gradual change. Some things happen overnight. You know, Bill, well, you've heard his testimony when he became a Christian. He was 17 and he accepted the Lord on a Friday night, I think it was, or Thursday night, something like that. And he went out with his friends the next night, and they went out partying and doing whatever he'd done before. And he realized he just did not enjoy doing that anymore. Already there had been a, a shift in his thinking, and he wasn't really even aware of it. But if you find yourself thinking, you know, I'm not really, I don't know that I have that mindset of a steward. Well, ask God to help you grow in that. And he definitely will do that because that's his heart. Our responsibilities as a steward. Stewardship begins with God's abundance. God is a God of abundance. And I'm not talking about name it, claim it. I'm talking about God's generosity and love towards us and our response to what he's given us. Stewardship is living out our lives with the belief that all we are and all we have is God's and that he's entrusted it to us. We are caretakers of the gifts that God has given us. I think every one of us who are parents look at our children as gifts from the Lord and we love them and, and we struggle and we strive to do what we feel is best for our kids and we know that that's no easy task especially from about 12 to 18 that's no easy task <laughs> then we really say okay god they're yours i've done all i can but but we do we look at our children as a gift from god okay and and it, they're precious to us and we say god help us they're they're really yours and you've given them to us for a while help us to the the best that we can we are, we're caretakers of the gifts that God's given us, and we are considered his asset managers. In 1 Corinthians 4.2, it says, In this regard, it is expected of managers that each one of them be found faithful. We need to be found faithful in what God has given us to take care of. So let's look at a couple of examples of that. Okay, who knows what today is? But all that. I'm mainly leaning towards Super Bowl. Okay. Um, I was actually watching um, a show this morning before I came to church to try and sometimes you can really, if, you, if you're going to be bringing the message, you can almost get overwhelmed, become anxious. So I put on a show. I had taped the honors, the NFL honors show. 
And it was very, very funny. And the first award went out to our one and only J.J. Watt. Okay, we all know him. We love him. We think he's a great and amazing guy. All right? He works hard to bring his very best to every game that he plays. You never hear his name associated with being caught doing drugs or getting a DUI or any of that. He's a very good steward of the gifting that he has. He's a great NFL defensive guy. And he works at it, okay? It's a gift I think God's given him, and he's taken that gift, and he has worked at it. And he blesses others out of the abundance that has been given to him. I think that is really awesome. All right, how many of us as parents, all right, have given our children something that they really, really wanted, like maybe an iPhone, something like that? We spent good, hard-earned money, all right, because I don't know about you, but my money doesn't grow on, on trees. Good, hard-earned money to discover a few months later that iPhone's on the floor, Maybe they've dropped it. Maybe it's cracked. It's lost its luster. And before long, you know, we realize that they don't value the gift that, that has been given to them. And, we're, and they've not become good caretakers or stewards of that gift. And as a parent, it just kind of goes all over you. You know, I have not once dropped my phone in the toilet. I don't know. Everybody under the age of 18 has done it at least once. I know they have. Uh, <laughs> Says someone who has dropped their phone in the toilet. So I'm just saying, you know, that uh, some of it comes with maturity, if you will, in how we handle the assets that God's given us. And, and as parents, we, we get kind of frustrated when we see that our children don't appreciate the things that we've done for them, and they don't care of the things, they don't care for the things that we've given them. They don't understand the sacrifice that we've made for them. To, for them to be able to have those things. Well, I think the same thing is, is true for us, that we don't really understand fully and completely the sacrifice that God has paid to give us the assets that we have, the love that we have, the peace that we have, the joy that we have, the jobs that we have, the family that we have. And it's not always a bed of roses, and I know that. People struggle with all of these things. But the next part, I think, is what's really important. That stewardship is recognizing that what we have and what we receive are not ours. Stewardship is acknowledging that the abundance that surrounds us is God's. Stewardship is showing our gratitude of what has been entrusted to us by sharing and participating in God's mission with a glad, generous and grateful heart. Stewardship is giving our whole self to God. Our time, our resources, our bodies, our jobs, our families. Turn this the right way so I can read that. And lastly, stewardship is an act of worship. We recognize who the owner is. It's God, not us. It's trusting God with all that we have and all that we are. It's building our faith in him and recognizing that he is faithful who calls us to trust him 
with all that he's entrusted to us. If God has called us to give, he will be faithful to supply our needs. It's setting our hearts, our minds, and our eyes on him through the good times and the bad times. And the last one I think is really true. It's defeating the fear that the enemy tries to instill in us and in our hearts that if we surrender all that we have to God, we're going to be left wanting. I remember years ago when we were in the Baptist church, James had an opportunity to go on a mission trip to South Africa. And we really, we didn't have the money. It was about, it was at least $2,400 just to get there, not to mention any, any of the other things. But people had, had given money so that others could go. We could pay a portion of it, but we couldn't pay all of it. And, you know, I told James, I said, you know, Jesus says the poor you will have always, because that's what I felt like we were. I mean, we were a young family. You know, Jackie and Janessa were like, ah, one and two, two and three. I wasn't working, you know. And it was so awesome to see how God worked in that, because the stories that he came back with, money can't buy. The way that they blessed the people when they were over there. They built a church. When he, he's been three times over there, and the first time it took him two weeks to build one church. By the time he went the third time, which is about ten years later, they had kind of a ten-year anniversary thing, they built um, a church in a week instead of in two weeks. I may be getting some of that wrong. You can, we built two churches, sorry, two churches in two weeks. Two churches in two weeks. So they've, you know, been able to um, change the way they do things, get more equipment, and that type of thing. My point here that I'm trying to say is that sometimes the enemy wants us to be afraid that if we give, because we feel sometimes we don't have it to give, and if we give it, geez, I'm not going to be able to pay my electric bill. I'm not going to be able to have food on the table. I'm not going to be able to put gas in my car. And, and this message is not specifically about giving. But it's an, giving money, but it's, a, it's an important part of it to realize that that is a lie from the enemy. And that as we give to God and we trust him with everything, that God will be faithful to us in that. He tells us that we can, can try him in that. We can take it to him and say, okay, God, you said in Malachi that if we give our tithes to you, that you will give back to us, that we will never be left in need. And so when we take up an offering here at church, we say it's an extension of our worship because it is. Worship, it's an act of worship. All that we do is an act of worship. Worship is not just singing songs. It includes the giving of our tithes. Worship is not what we do. It's who we are. And that's what I want you guys to grasp this morning, is that being a steward of all that God has is an act of worship. And that as such, our whole life should be lived in such a way as we are worshiping God. I'd like for you guys to stand up. And I'd like for our ministry teams to come forward. I've asked Danny to play a song and James to put the words up here.
and it's called Surrender. And it says, I'm giving you my heart and all that is within. I lay it all down for the sake of you, my king. I'm giving you my dreams, and I'm laying down my rights. I'm giving up my pride for the promise of a new life. I surrender it all to you. So the call this morning is if you're struggling to allow God to be the owner and Lord of all that you are and all that you have, and you would like to begin to make that paradigm shift in your thinking, I want you to come up for prayer. Because in, until we can, you know, get our mind and our heart set on things above, as the scripture tells us, it's going to be difficult. But that's an area that God really wants to enter in and help us to transform. And as we transform our thinking, we transform our lives. And then we become a light to the world. And people will look at us and they will say, they are fools for Jesus. And they will be so attracted to that because there aren't many people that do that. If you have a need for something else, a prayer for something else, I encourage you to come up for that as well. But that's our ministry call this morning. I'm just going to bless you this morning. For those of you that are, feel like you're okay in your walk with God, that he's helping you with this paradigm shift, I'm just going to pray a blessing over you today. God, I ask for each person in this room, Lord, that your spirit would continue this shift in, in how they view who they are. And, and how they are your steward. And Father, I pray that each one will begin to see areas that they can just entrust to you, Lord, as we give our whole life to you. So if you guys want to talk, visit. If you want to worship, you're, you're free to come and go. If you want to visit, go to the other side as others are still praying and worshiping.